Hello and welcome to Nightmare Cinema. This is episode 19 and this is our surprise slasher season finale. So today it is just me, Sean Watkin and John Dunn. Say hello, John. Hello, John. <laughs> because Johnny Cameron, unfortunately, is no longer with us. Um, what? <laughs> I'm joking. He broke his oh. face, so he's had a bit of surgery. He'll be fine in a few weeks. But it is just us two. We were going to get a guest, um, a guest, a guest. <laughs> we were going to get a guest, um, but we decided against it because no one would match the dry wit or the clinically depressed tones of John, Jonathan Cameron. So <laughs> we're just going to go ahead. <laughs> we're just us two. Um, okay. So the film. Sorry, Johnny. Sorry, Johnny. Uh, the film that we're going to discuss today is the last action hero of the horror universe. It's the longest film in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. It served as the basis for Scream due to its self-referential nature, and of course, we are talking about Wes Craven's New Nightmare, one of my favorite favorite entries ever, ever, ever. So. I don't know if you know this, John, but this was actually the original idea for Nightmare 3, which became Dream Warriors, but it was rejected at the time. So the idea was that Freddy would have broken loose from the films and haunted or stalked the characters or the, the cast from the original film. Did you know that piece of information? No, I didn't. Do you care? <laughs> uh, I found that more interesting than this film. Oh, okay. So I have a lot to say about this. Jesus Christ. I'm going to have to rein you in at some point throughout this. I can feel it. You're going to have to tranquilize me. Okay. So, what were your opening thoughts of the film? Let's not go into too much depth at this point. Right. I love the idea of this. I've, you've been talking about it probably since the day you were born <laughs> or the day we met. And you, I, you're one of the few people I trust the opinion of. And it is a brilliant idea. I love, I love the idea. Uh, it's just that the film in my head that had been, because I hadn't seen it until we did this as with quite a lot of these films. <clears throat> the idea in my head, the film I had in my head was so much better than this, like by about a million times. The idea is probably up there with the greatest ideas in films ever. It, but the execution is shocking. Fucking shocking. I am absolutely gutted that you're saying this because this is this is one of my favorite um Nightmare on Elm Street films, other than the original. It still gets a little bit of my respect because of the idea. And I do like little bits of it. And I think Wes Craven is just one of the one well, was one of the most weirdest people to ever live which makes me love him even more. But it's it's just not good enough. Oof. But, but at the same time, you can see what he's done. He said, he's, he's gone to a studio and said, I'm fucking Wes Craven here. I'm going to do what I want this time. And he's made this film. That's completely for him. Completely for him and for people like you who love Friday, the, not that one, the other one. Whoa. Uh, Freddy Krueger and Nightmare of... On Elm Street, and said before Christmas, then fucking. <laughs> and you can tell it's for the fans. It's not for people on the fence like me or people who aren't into horror. It's for you. It is your thing. It really, it genuinely is. And he's and he's there, going, come, come with me, Jared, and enjoy this with me. And I, I, I just, I, I loved Heather. I mean, Heather's probably my hero. In, in 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 kind of slasher horror because she's just the, the best Heather slash Nancy who slasher uh, <clears throat> I love the kind of interplay with Robert Englund who's just like this he's almost like an English gentleman in it he's like couldn't be further away from Freddy Krueger and I love the, the dad I can't remember the dad's name I think it might be John Saxon John I'm Saxon. not sure yeah yeah and I love that. I love that. I, I, everything was dead. Like the idea was dead good, but it was just, come on, put a bit more balls into it, and uh, it just, it just left me feeling flat and flavorless. 
Oh, I'm gutted. So for those who don't know, um, this film's original title was A Nightmare on Elm Street 7, The Ascension. And it is about, um, the, it's approaching the 10 year anniversary of the original film back in 1994. Um, and a, this entity that has been captured in Wes Craven's original film, A Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984, um, has broke loose from the film universe because they stopped making Nightmare on Elm Street films and is now coming into our universe to to wreak havoc and the person that he needs to get by first is Heather Langenkamp who is the original film's Nancy Thompson obviously so let's talk a little bit I mean you've just touched on it really but let's just talk a little bit about Heather Langenkamp's performance in this film to say that she'd not really acted in any films since Nightmare on Elm Street and she sort of stuck to television. I think she was phenomenal in this film, like phenomenal and powerful in a very different way to Nancy, um, but also really, really similar as well. What did you, what did you think of? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to go into how bad the performances were because I love her. So what, what they were making was an experimental film and I think they all did very well with it. But performance-wise, it just, I just wanted more. In my, I think it's because, I think it's because in my head, it was a very, very different film, which was... Okay, but you need to separate what the film yeah. ended up like <clears throat> and what her performance was just for this part of the discussion because I don't think her performance was lacklustre in any way. Yeah. When I, when I take away all of my kind of like, which is quite difficult to do because I have a very vivid imagination and I have a vivid idea of what I expect. So when I take that away, this might take a while and I might go a bit weird, but weirder. But they were all in experimental film territory. So in that regard, you have to give it more respect than I suppose I am giving it. God, it's like therapy, these things. Should we call it nightmare therapy? <clears throat> but yeah, and it's it's her, uh, Robert Englund, John Saxon. I didn't like the husband. I thought he was a waste of space. Um, the kid was very good as well. What's his name? Dylan. Well, we're going to talk about other people's performances a little bit later. But yeah, his name was she. Dylan. She carried. She carried the film. She carried the film. And I mean, this is kind of synthetic, but she looked amazing, like absolutely amazing. Do you know why she really did? Didn't she? Yeah, she really did. I always think that. I think in this film, she's got like this classic, almost old Hollywood look, like her yeah. hair and everything. It's just there's just something about that is really classic. She she's she sold the film to me. Well, you and her sold the film to me, and she carried it all the way through. I just thought she was so. She was she was like a TV, kind of sick not sitcom. What's it called? Soap actor, mm. and I and I love that. I love the kind of like. The the feel of it. I don't know if she meant it because she's not that. She's not like Daniel Day Lewis. She didn't fucking. Reset. Well, didn't reset the role. It's her fucking role. Um, she didn't, plan to do it like that. It just worked, and and. Whenever she wasn't on the screen, I was getting bored, which wasn't often, I have to admit. Yeah, she's but pretty much there all the time, isn't she? It's a very, very silly film carried by someone who I have a lot of time for. I I think her performance was was really good, to be honest with you. I think she she was she was hysterical through most of the film, and I think that came across really, really well. Like the worry for her son, but also for her own safety. She'd lost her husband. Her husband's friends showed up dead. Like loads of crap is happening to her, and she just she just keeps going forward. I don't feel like you really see any real moment of weakness yeah. from her. The problems I had with it were not through the acting; it was the script and Wes Craven being Wes Craven. Because Wes Craven does this thing in most of his films, apart from Scream, where he went, "I'm going to make one for John this time." where everything I want him to do, he just doesn't do. And he's just like that. He's just for the benefit of the people not watching, seeing this, I'm holding a middle finger up. And that's what Wes Craven does with me in most of his films, right up until Scream. And he just accepted me and made that for me. And that's what he was doing in this again. So and, 
you know the the, the stalker part um around Heather's character where she shed the phone calls and stuff that was yeah. that was based on what was actually happening in Heather's life um she did have a stalker at one point in her life and she had to move and go and live in London for a few months to try and get away from it um and Wes was like oh can I put that in the script obviously because he's sick in the head and she was like yeah of course <laughs> go for it um obviously at the time she, she had like she had a young family she had a son who's I think his real name is, is Daniel and um her husband's name is not Chase but he is a special effects person he actually turned down uh, the chance to play himself in the film, which is fair enough. But what is really tragic is that his son actually died in real life. I think he was 26 when he passed away from a brain tumour. Jesus, I didn't know that. No, it's sad, isn't it? It's really sad. Um, so you touched, you touched on this next part I wanted to raise, uh, her relationship with John Saxon. Um, I think it really mid- mirrors the original film and not just when it, it becomes... Um, a nightmare on Elm Street, but before that, he, he, he seems to be the father figure. Like, he's there for at the funeral, all that stuff that's going on with Dylan. He's like, you know, he's just stating the facts, isn't, isn't he? And Nancy's like, what if, what if? Which is really like their relationship in the original film, I thought. Yeah, I that, that was one of the bits I think it did quite well, because um, I liked watching the actors be themselves. Mm. Um, but it wasn't really themselves. It was like heightened versions of themselves. Mm. And the way that they did Robert Englund, I thought was fucking brilliant. And um, and the way that kind of John Saxon becomes this protective, like in the in the in the playground, and he's going giving her advice because that's what I mean. She she was a kid when she made Nightmare on Elm Street, and he mm. would have been. He played her dad, and he would have been that father figure anyway. So so to use that in this. That that was one of the things that worked. Yeah, um, it was really genuine, wasn't it? That that relationship. Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, we, we we know we know they all love each other off camera because they've made this thing, which is a worldwide, international, global phenomenon. So they're going to f- have time for each other, and I can imagine them doing that. I can imagine John Saxon going in the park and going, "So how's it going?" And I can imagine Robert Englund going, I've got another convention to want to come to this. I can see that happening. I want them to have made more of that. That would have been absolutely brilliant if they're actually at real life conventions. And they just imagine a real life convention and then Freddy Krueger just runs in. Imagine the reaction you'd get. But that's this is in a time, this is now, this is when reality TV take, has taken off. So we can think about these things freely. This had none of that back then. And to, mm-hmm. to do this now, to do this now would be another film. To do it then was a massive risk to, for one of the biggest names in horror to do it with the one of the biggest villains in horror to do it. I it, it, It's hats tough. It, for me, it didn't work, but it paved the way for so many more things, and I've got to respect it for that. I think, I think for some of this film, I tend to agree with you, some of it didn't work, but for a big bulk of it, it did, and I, I want to come on to that in a, in a second. But I did want to touch on Robert Englund. You've mentioned him a few times now. Ugh. You know, I'm not the biggest fan. So Freddie in this film is actually credited as himself. Um, although obviously we know Robert Englund plays him. He's been bulked out. He's got a different wardrobe, a little bit more modern with his leather kicks. Um, and he looks meaner. He's got like a, a meaner look. And I was watching Never Sleep Again, um, which is like a four hour documentary about the the, the, Nev- the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, films. And the makeup for this was obviously different. They didn't want it to look like he'd been burned. They wanted it to look like his skin was split, um, which sort of makes sense for this, this film um, because that's what he's doing. He's splitting worlds apart. He's trying to get out. Um, I thought, um, I wondered rather whether Robert Englund watched this film back and thought, what have I done to Freddy as a character? <laughs> like, why did I make him into this joke? And I feel at some points throughout the script, you can feel Robert Englund's influence on the character. Like, he doesn't have quips all the way through, but he says a few things like, um, have you ever played Skin the Cat? Which doesn't make sense for what's actually happening in the scene. Or did you miss me? Which is ridiculous. Um, and I just, I wonder how much of that influence was Robert Englund himself rather than what was written by Wes Craven. I suppose we'll never know. But what did you think? Did you have that same sort of feeling? Yeah, 
Well, I I, I kind of think he he just said to them, either go off the script or go your own way. And I think Heather did go off the script but put her own kind of spin on it. I think Robert Englund basically went his own direction with her. He basically did his own thing because I remember someone telling me, I think it may have been you in the pub, that he got a little bit of an ego over it, as you would, mate, if I did this, Jesus, there'd be no living with me. But he got a bit of an ego, and I think it was around this time, and he began to think, I created this character. You didn't. You didn't. Wes Craven did, as he, as that horror genius that he is, um, he just gave you the blueprints and off you went. It's got to this. I don't, I don't, didn't like the look of Freddy at all in this. I just thought Did you know? Do you think it was too, um, plasticky, too stagey? It it was a man in a suit. Yeah. He wasn't Freddy Krueger, he was someone dressed up as him. Yeah, I get, yeah. I I, I agree with you in that one. Yeah, well, that's bizarre. I'm like dead. I know. No. Yeah. No, well, I agree I, with you. It didn't have it didn't have that look of the original where it was sort of like that that wet, grimy. Yeah, look. that was what I was gonna say. He's lost he's lost <clears throat> his moistness. Yeah, he's very he's very clean in this film. Very clean. An unmoist Freddy Krueger is not a Freddy Krueger I can be friends with, I'm afraid. <laughs> um so I also wanted to just talk about <clears throat> Robert Englund's typical camp entrance to the TV studio when Nancy is talking to that TV presenter. I just felt like this was Wes Craven. Maybe not taking the piss out of Robert Englund, but really highlighting everything that he believes is wrong with Freddie at this point in history, given his massive celebrity status. Like, look at the reaction from all of those kids in the audience. And that scene is based on an actual interview that was that happened with, with Wes and Robert Englund where they were sort of, it, it was a discussion around um, whether these sort of films were bad for children, and Wes explores that quite a bit, doesn't he, in this film. Um, and the audience just went wild for Freddie, and they were chanting Freddie's name, and, like, we touched on this when we did A Nightmare on Elm Street, that everyone has just forgotten that this guy killed kids and was going to be a paedophile. Do you know what I mean? And even... Uh, yeah. I think I think once once his popularity started to take off, I think all of the really really dark negative things. I mean, I know he still kills teenagers, but teenagers in the film world are kind of ex- considered expendable now because they're all tits. So it's like it's very tongue in cheek. It's not to be taken seriously, like. But it's like he's like there when when we go when we're going into a shop and there's a gang of teenagers outside. And you, and, you, and you fucking wish something that Freddy Krueger would come and fucking kill them. I think that's where it comes from. It's all it's all humor based, dark humor. But if he was doing this to six year old children, then it'd be a completely different film. And I don't think he'd have anywhere near the cold status that he's got. No, and I I, I think Robert Englund has got a lot to do with that because of what he did with with the character, like making him funny made him in some way a bit more sympathetic as a character. And I don't I don't like that or agree with it. I think it was definitely the wrong thing to do. And I think Wes has highlighted that. And I hope he was taking the piss out of Robert Englund a little bit. Because I imagine he was. It. He deserves I, it. I, Wes, Wes Craven, he, he was he was someone who who just didn't if he didn't like something he wouldn't come up to you and tell you. He would he'd um, he'd sneakily do it. But that's just who he was. I I I, I just adored that man. I really did. I thought, thought he was amazing. No, it was a very dark day when he passed away. Very I remember talking day. to you, Jesus. Oh, sad. Sad. So I wanted to talk about the use of fairy tale in this um in this film. So obviously we know um the main fairy tale that is referenced is really prominent is Hansel and Gretel. It's about a witch devouring the innocence of children. Like it could not be more fitting for a Freddy Krueger film. Um, I felt to me that that was a bit of a hint that this entity that Wes was trying to highlight that which became Freddy in the films is as old as stories are. Um, so for as long as we have told stories and we've told fairy tales and, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, Grimm's fairy tales are probably not that old, but to us they are. Um, it felt like a bit of a hint that that was how Wes felt about this thing, that it was 
it was evil all the way throughout history. Um, and I think other people have done that. I, I'm pretty sure that there's an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is called Gingerbread. It's all coming back to me now. Um, called Gingerbread, which which does the same sort of thing around Hansel and Gretel. Um, and that was about how an how this evil, this demon basically creates hysteria in a community um, and focuses the blame on a certain type of people. In that instance, it was a witch. Um, and that was how it, it got its sort of energy. Um, so the, the next thing, and I thought this was a really, really nice touch, was the, you know, that really classic Nosferatu shadow uh, shot yeah. when Freddy is coming out of Dylan's bed. An obvious, an obvious nod to not to the Nosferatu film, but also a further extension of the point that I've just made, um, where we've probably been capturing this thing throughout history in storytelling in and, and in filmmaking. Do you want to elaborate on that, or do you just want to say I agree? No, I I genuinely completely agree. Although I wouldn't have come up with that. I but now you've said it, it's blindingly obvious. Yeah, it's glaring, um, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah, I think that adds to what what I I believe the film to be. It's like it's just Wes Craven doing his own thing with the things he loves. He just happens to have made quite a lot of the things he loves. He just loves scaring people, and he he wanted to try something completely new. Um, and all the way through it, and I, I have a feeling you're gonna we're gonna do a big bulk on this. You can see the nods to what's coming in two years or three years later, because it is the it's the it's the blueprint for Scream all the way mm. through it. And yeah. I, I remember you saying it, and I thought, no. and then I watched it, and I thought, Jesus, it is. It's basically it's there. It's Scream mm. is in there. Mm. <clears throat> so you can't. That's why I can never hate it because it gave me one of the the great cinematic experiences of my life. The first time I watched Scream was just fucking out of this world that's why i love this man so much it is an amazing amazing yeah. film but you can see it in this film it's there it's all there the nods to films as you just said self-awareness if that's a word of it oh it's, it's fucking the, the oh, just, that's why i'm happy this exists that's why i'm happy this exists it's not what i wanted in my head it's not what i was expecting but i'm glad it's here because that's what it, that's what it gave us ultimately so just to further extend the point around the, the use of fairy tales, um, to oh, defeat... Yeah, I just went off on one there, yeah, sorry. You did, it's okay. I'm used to it. So to defeat him, they obviously burn Freddy in a furnace in his little underground lair. So it, it mirrors, obviously, Fred's, Freddy's backstory. That was how he was killed himself. But also it's, it's the witch in Hansel and Gretel again, isn't it? And Dylan even says, we're saved, the witch is dead. Um, and I love, love, love that at the very end of the film, it sort of goes right back on itself. And it ends with Heather reading the script, the story, yeah. that recapturing of that, 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 that evil entity on page to his son. And I just thought that was absolutely fantastic. And the way that it like sort of slow zooms out while she's reading it, it's just brilliant. I absolutely loved it, and it just felt like a full circle moment for me. Yeah, for for me, that's that's Wes saying, Wes Craven saying, or the film saying, or whatever. Freddy's not going anywhere. Mm. He, he, every time you get rid of him, you, the fans, are going to bring him back. That's what that's what that said to me. It's the way she just found it, and then immediately goes, "Ooh!" and then sits down and starts reading it, mm. like all this fucking devastation around her. I was just like, "Yeah." He knows what he's doing. He just knows what he's doing. Yeah, it was it was absolutely perfect. I thought. Um, I thought yeah, the ending was better than what I had in my head. That was that was that was one of the perfect moments in it. So when you say the ending, do you mean just the very ending when they slide out of the bed and then she reads the script, or do you mean that whole final act? No, just just the script. Yeah, okay. I, I didn't, didn't like the fantasy bit either because it was a bit too um, synthetic. There was yeah. nothing. It was all, it was very, if you compare them, and this is, bear with me on this one, if you compare them to The Hobbit, from The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings was fucking real. That was, that was real shit. Um, the Hobbit was all CGI and it just, it just didn't feel the same. And that's the same effect because Nightmare on Elm Street was real because he was sweaty and moist and he scared the shit out of me. This was a man in a suit. 
doing things on a sound stage. I, I don't know if it's because I'm more film aware now, and that's what this this film is. It is a very self aware film, but it was too watered down. It was like someone had cut all the corners off you, all the crusts off you, spread for you. <laughs> it's just there's no danger in it. There's no peril. So, at what point for you did this film take a turn for the worse? Um, well, it was kind of like it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't like one thing that made it go shit. Mm. It was, it had good moments and then it had bad moments, and I was, I, it kept me interested. Uh, ish. Um, it was when Freddie arrived that I kind of just went, oh, "Fuck off!" With that quite a lot. I like the things with the act with the actual Heather, Robert, and John. I loved that, and I loved uh, Freddie as an unseen force because mm. I really, really love that. That remind that's the, the Jaws effect. Mm. Something's out there, we don't know what it is, and then when it turns up, it looks like a man who's got a four ninety nine fancy dress outfit from Asda. <clears throat> but I mean, it's a bit harsh, like yeah. Well, that's what it looked like, but yeah. Yeah, I keep telling myself it's an experimental film because that's what it was. And um, but I, I, the, the the bits with the, I I just wanted them to build on their real lives more because I, I would I want I wanted to see like Friday. I don't keep calling it Friday the Thirteenth. I don't know Nightmare on Elm Street being such a massive part of their lives, the conventions, the fan meets, and all that. I wanted that to be like them to be using this as like. The, the the basis for their careers because they didn't they haven't really they're not known for many other things john saxon is but even then it's not i can't remember what he's in i think he's in beverly hills cop then he yeah i think or two or something but that's about it and i wanted it to be so much more like prominent that these people have made a living off this film and then, but John John Saxon hasn't. He's he's an old an old like Hollywood actor. He's been in hundreds of films, um. But in terms of how this film has affected their lives, they, this I mean Heather is, herself says it like I've stayed out of it, and that's true. Like she doesn't she doesn't do a lot because no one's interested. Everybody's interested in in Freddy Krueger, and that and that's pretty much it. That's why he's at all the conventions. I think he is the only person that you could actually say other than Wes that has made a living from this film properly because he has. No, and I, yeah, I know he's, I know he's kind of done that, but I, that's just what I wanted. I, but then it wouldn't have been as real as, as they wanted to make it. It would have been a bit not, not real. <laughs> mm. Do you know what I mean? But that's, that's, that's what I was expecting. But, I mean, I mean, it was. I can remember her saying, "Now I've stayed out of it." Hmm. And um, Robert's phoning her saying, "Do you want to come to this convention?" Isn't he? And he's, "I've got another convention. Do you want to come to it?" And she's like, "No, not really." But she goes to that chat show one. I've just yeah, that it's now. not for her. Yeah, um, and she doesn't even want to do that. She says at the start, like, so for me, I think the film where the part, sorry, where this film took a turn for the worst was. I love, love, love everything up until. Um, the hospital where Dylan actually runs away from the hospital. I love that whole part of the film. Then we get Dylan leaving the hospital and the highway scene. And I was just watching it thinking, oh my God, what were you thinking? Like, it looks atrocious for a start, which it's 1994, so we have to forgive it. But Freddie in the clouds what like Mufasa what and then the 20,000 Freddies up against the chain link fence I was like this isn't scary you're not you're not you're not providing any you, you've just built all of this tension up for an hour an hour and 20 minutes and now you're giving us this ridiculous looking stuff that we've had before Wes what what is it that you're doing um I thought that was awful and then obviously we get to the point where Heather goes, Heather again, going back to uh, the fairy tales where she uses the sleeping tablets to go asleep, to go and find her son, um, where she she goes into Freddy's world. And it, again, it looked atrocious, like absolutely atrocious. And that whole sequence, I understand that he needed somewhere where they could go and do battle with 
this evil entity and it had to look old and it had to be underground, but it just did not look good and it didn't feel yeah, good. It. And I've nothing, actually, was, nothing was happening. Do you know just, that hospital scene, the entire hospital scene? I've actually repressed that out of my mind. Because I, I just thought, scene. I thought this is fucking shit. I thought it was shocking. It was just like for me, I know it's 1994, it's, it's a different, all that, all that stuff, but you know what I'm like with stupid little details. And it's not, it's not a film filled with stupid little details, which is probably why I'm, I've got such a, I'm on the fence about it. But the way that those nurses are in that hospital, you know, I just and I'm I know I'm 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 talking about a film where someone kills people in the nightmares, mm. and I'm just I'm I'm sitting there going a doctor a nurse would never do that, and that mm. never happened. Mm. It, it, it never happened in America because she's famous and got money, so she could tell them what to do and they do it, and that's that's just the way the American. But the, but, but the, why am I talking like that about fucking Freddy Krueger? But that's just that's just the, the pedantic tit that I am, and I, I look at it and especially with, with with hospitals, I'm so anal about it. I'm so ridiculous. The, the only thing I've ever seen that's ever got it absolutely spot on was The Sopranos, which mm. was just brilliant. But that's completely digressing just to a world where I will rant all day long. Yeah, let's and that, But that was, that, was, that was my... I just I just completely took it out of my mind. I just thought, this is not working for me. No, really so let's let's have a little look about what happens in the hospital scene then so obviously uh dylan has a bit of a fit she takes him to hospital to get checked they obviously believe something else is going on that he's not sleeping she's got cuts on her arm um what so i i am so disappointed in them for doing this to be honest with you because you know you know lynn shay she's like quite fit she's famous now lynn shay isn't she who's she Wow. She's um, from the Insidious films. She's the psychic oh. medium. Oh, the, 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 oh, yeah, 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 I know. So yeah. she's Bob, she's Bob Shea's sister, the, the owner of um, New Line Cinema. You're such a nerd, you know. Well, the names are the same, so it wasn't that much of a leap, to be honest, John. I didn't even know we own New Line Cinema. So, oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Um, you know Bob Shea was in the <laughs> film, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, wow, okay, that's great. So Lynn Shay, <laughs> in the original film, she plays Nancy's English teacher. And I just felt like everybody from that film is coming back and playing themselves. Why have we now got Lynn Shay playing a nurse? And I know she wasn't a massive actor back then, like she wasn't well-known, but she's well-known enough. Why did she not deserve to be... I mean, I'd rather she just wasn't in it if she wasn't going to be herself. And the answer yeah. was... This this is where kind of like the, the, the you it's not really made for people like me who just will dip in. This is this is a proper gift to you from from Wes Craven. It's he's saying if you if you love right, Nightmare on Elm Street, this is for you. <clears throat> it's it's entertaining to people like me, but for you, it's it's life. It's 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 like them doing a Terminator film for me. So you're gonna pick up on those on those details and stuff. And it, now you've explained it like that, you, you've got a point. It's actually quite insulting. Mm. It's, it's, it's like he's forgotten to, to write a part for it. And he's but gone, she, do you want to be a nurse? The thing is though, she doesn't need a part. She wasn't a massive part of, of Nightmare on Elm Street. But then, you know, you've got other actors from the film who are just at the funeral scene. Like you do, there's no dialogue, you just see the faces. So you could have done the same for Lynch. She didn't need to be one of these nurses. I didn't think. Do you know what? That's that's true. That's like you've actually touched on something quite uh, quite heavy there. Is she the is she the woman in um what's it what's it called? The bowling film? Uh, I watched it before Kingpin. Yeah, it is. Oh my god, <clears throat> she's a, she plays the landlady in uh, Kingpin. Um, she's in um, something about Mary as well. Yeah, Farrelly. She's a Farrelly woman. Fucking, hell, I didn't know that. <laughs> so I thought in educated. We're taking yeah, we're schooled. We're talking about the hospital scene. I thought Julie, the babysitter, in this scene was amazing. She's I thought she was well. absolutely phenomenal. 
absolutely phenomenal. She was just so protective over Dylan, you know, with the needle and the syringes and stuff. I just, I just loved it. I just absolutely loved it. And I loved her death scene as well. Yeah, I properly was, loved that, her death scene. That was when it, that was when it properly harked back to the, to the nightmare on Elm Street that I, that I loved. That was like when she's fucking, she's on the ceiling and it's, oh, it's fucking brilliant. It's just so off its head. And that's what, that's, that was the kind of like, what the fuck is going on here? And then you realise it's just awesome and you just cheer. It's brilliant. It's all about, it's all about Dylan and he's working his way to him and she's protecting him. And the protection was, as you said, intense. And the fact that she just got mauled everywhere, spoiler alert, if you, it's just like I'm, I'm, I'm getting this lad, and you're not going to stand in my way. Mm. And the way that everyone walked into the room and saw it happening, it was just like, it was, yeah, it was that it was heavy, wasn't it? Um, very heavy. Um, that doctor, oh my god. The 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 main doctor. I feel like her name is Doctor Hefferman. Um, you know the one I'm talking about. He was like questioning. Good. Heather about like whether she's like I watch the films and all oh yeah, yeah 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 then security just drag her around the place like she's like as if as if that would even happen yeah that was um, my problem with it but it is you have to she, just accept that it's tongue in cheek she's horrendous I think if I was in that hospital I'd have twatted it that that was where it was kind of like <coughs> frustrating me a little bit because it, it was. It, if you're going to be a nonsense film, you can't have, like, you've got to have the, the characters not just playing a, playing a role. You've got to have a little bit of realism in it. That just wasn't realistic at all. But, uh, just the whole hospital scene, apart from Thingy dying, I forgot her name, you've just said her name, I forgot it. Julie. Uh, Julie dying. Um, didn't, didn't serve me for anything in there. But apart from that, it just it killed the film dead. Oh, it took I, a while to get going again. I think I, I do know what you mean. I think the the hospital part is a long section of the film, but I don't I don't think it killed the film. I think it sort of heightened the tension, and it it asked all the questions that Wes has probably been asked throughout all of his career, um, and he's handled it in the way that he's wanted to handle it by killing someone on the ceiling. Um, but there are some really, really good moments throughout this film, like a lot of them. Um, if you could pinpoint one or two of your favourite points of the film, what, what do you think that they might be? Uh, when um, he, he's at, they're in the playground and he climbs the thing. All of my favourite moments don't involve Freddy Krueger, which is really weird for this film. But if you've ever seen it, it will make sense because he's just a dry hump to be honest <clears throat> uh, when he climbs up and she sees him it's all to do with um dylan and heather with me i just think she's the way she she she, she plays the mum role is brilliant it's amazing and every waking thought is over him and she's genuinely concerned and she looks she looks genuinely frazzled at the end mm. so when he climbs up this um we've all been like in a park with our nieces or nephews or whatever and like when my niece was younger, she, I, she used to go about four foot up in the air and I used to be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But like to have your kid climb to the top of this and when she sees him and she just goes, oh fucking hell. It's like, and then she proper jumps into action. It's just, for me, it's a suggestion that no matter what the danger that this kid is in, she will be there like that. She will, mm. And that's, that's what it does. And it was, and she just runs over to him. Granted, she catches him in the most melodramatic way known to man, but she still works for me. And I love the way she was in the park talking about her on-screen, talking to her on-screen father about parenting. Fucking unbelievably good stuff. <laughs> so subtle. Where's Craven's middle name sometimes should be subtle. That's just fucking genius. That's a short film on its own. Mm. An actor in the park talking to, her, oh, do you know what? I've just, I've just, I've just had a crisis. This season's now wet. Oh, Jesus. So good. So good. Do you know what, though? I have to agree with you. I think the best moments of this film do not include Freddy Krueger. And I think, I think Wes knows that. And that's why he doesn't, I mean, we see hints of Freddy, don't we? Like, particularly at the funeral scene. 
where she falls and bangs her head. You see him and he's dragging Dylan away and, and all that sort of stuff. But there's you don't really see him until the final act or just before the final act. And I think that that's okay. Like, I'm absolutely fine with that. And I would have probably liked to see him even less, to be honest with you. Um, because this is not a film about Freddy Krueger to me. This is a film about Heather Langenkamp. Yeah. And this other evil entity. I mean, if I know that they had to have Freddy Krueger in this film because it's part of that series. But if Wes was brave enough to make A New Nightmare with Heather Langenkamp about this evil entity that was Freddy Krueger, but not include Freddy Krueger, I think I'd have really liked it. Yeah, liked that's it what I was expecting. That's that one not expecting. That's what I wanted. I wanted this this film where this 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 actor, um, Heather, has had this in her entire career. She can't get over these films. She's the star of like the Nightmare on Elm Street films. I'm gonna write the name of it up there so I remember. <clears throat> and then she's become obsessed with that. And then she starts to believe in her own head that Freddy Krueger is real. And after it, I would have liked that a little bit more because that would have been a very claustrophobic little nod to the to the mythos around him. Mm. But I mean, I'm not gonna hold it against him. Like, I mean, my- no. I mean, it is what it is, and we've got the film that we've got, and I I enjoy it. I love it up until the cringy last act. I do. I absolutely love it. Um, and then it just slides so quickly downhill. Yeah into something that it just wasn't um, at all. So the I think I mentioned this on one of the last films that, oh no, when I gave the clue, I said it begins with an earthquake and it sort of does um, start with that earthquake. Um, so the, the earthquake footage that they shoot um, is actual devastation from an earthquake that occurred during the time of, or just after filming. So they went out and like re, re-shot parts so that they could um, have like actual devastation on camera, which I think was, yeah. it was brilliant. I love stuff like that. Where things yeah, just, I did. Yeah, I looked at that and I thought to myself, that must have cost a lot. And <laughs> then you think, why did Freddy's costume look so shit then if they had budget? And then you realise, and then I've just been educated by you once again regarding it. So we'll continue yeah. to educate you. Yeah. Have you ever seen um, Monsters? Monsters. Yeah. No. It's just a little small film that came out, I think, 2007. They, it was just some people walking from one place to another. They just filmed things around them and basically say monsters did it. And it was brilliant. It was it's so unsettling. And that had the same effect because I thought to myself, that building has actually fallen down that they're walking past. It's actually knocked down. And then I thought to myself, was it an earthquake? And then mm. I, was, I was there. I was there. <clears throat> so I just quickly, I didn't know that I didn't know that I just want to quickly talk around when Heather visits Wes Craven and she gets her explanation of what is going on and we get our explanation of what is happening so this evil entity and we, we keep talking about it um, I feel like this is what Wes Craven has probably been chasing after all of his career is to to capture this thing, um, and then he's actually put it to use one of your phrases front and center in in this film. Um, I do believe that he's got well, he does. He has a few choice words um, for his career and also for the sequels in the Nightmare on Elm Street series, um, particularly that that he felt that the the sequels were like watered down to make it an easier sell. That's your fault, Robert England. Um, and <laughs> if, <laughs> he sort of he speaks about his own career in here, doesn't he? Like, you know, people can't handle like what he's what has come before, like the certain horror elements. Um, and I thought when we close out that scene, you get a close-up of the script on his computer monitor. And I thought that that was absolutely amazing. I don't think I'd seen, I think you, you, you see stuff like that now where like what has just been said is actually written. I think that happens quite a lot these days, but that had been the first time I'd seen something like that. Yeah. And I thought that was just fantastic. So, and then we realised that like by the time we get to the end of the film, 
Wes Craven has known how this is all going to end before before us, before Nancy. Um, and he's just sort of left her to it because he knows what is going to happen. He's not tried to get involved in any any way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love that, that scene. Love that scene. Yeah, that whole sequence with Wes Craven is probably it's not the best moment of the film, but it's probably the most important because mm. I it's it's the one kind of scene where I just all of my um and you know how difficult this is for me, all of my kind of opinions just stop. I'm just in awe. Mm. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a master. He's, he's master. just even the way he handily carries himself there. I just, I just adored everything about him. He, he just knows what you and to a certain extent I want, mm. and he, he just delivers it. And he's just, he's so. Um, no one ever actually says this, but he was such a cool fella. Like he was, he, he, he How old was he when he made this? Late fifties, oh, I imagine. Idea. He was so cool. He was just one of the coolest men. He made fucking James Dean look like me. He was such a cool man. And the way he's just walking on and he's delivering these lines and he's just like, oh. Yeah, he's fa- he is fantastic. So, 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 so brave as well, putting himself in the film. Yeah, like very brave. Doing it and doing a fucking fantastic. Very brave. The film is better. <laughs> stop it so all the way through the film we are getting signals and signifies that this these two worlds are about to collide i think it starts with um the tv screen where it's showing the original nightmare on elm street and uh, you know that pops up a three point a few points sorry throughout the film and at each point that film shows up it's it's exactly at the point of the plot where our film, where New Nightmare is. So it like it like ties in perfectly. It's not just some random scene from the original film. It's like at that point, this is what was happening to those characters. And at that exact moment, something really similar is happening to the characters that we've got now. And I love that. It's like, a, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer. I'm, I'm actually gonna come and I'm gonna get you. Um, but, oh, there are a few moments throughout the film um, that are really similar. For me, I think the the, the turning point where the, the these worlds actually collided fully, um, or almost fully, is obviously where the house turns into 1428 Elm Street, so the house from the original film. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's bang on obvious, like your costume changes, he turns into a dad again. Um, it, it's just fantastic. And one of the other points, sorry, that I just wanted to bring in about the world's collider is obviously the tongue in the phone. It's one of the most iconic scenes <laughs> in the original one. And you get you get to see that again <laughs> in this film. Um, fantastic. So yeah, I thought that was brilliant where she's talking to John Saxon and he starts behaving like her dad from the from the film. And then she turns around and she's in front of 1428 Elm Street. Um, and it's just like, oh my God, absolute chills. And then she sets foot like, through the door. I feel like I feel like I just need to tell everyone there is a smile on his face. Which is like a kid in a in a in a sweet shop. I swear to God, I've never seen you this happy. <laughs> it's just a beautiful, a beautiful moment. It's like, right, we're fucking here. And then she sets foot through that door and it all goes to shit. Because the smile is gone. The tension that Wes Craven has built up through that one and a half hours of film is just gone and we get this absolutely lackluster finale that I didn't deserve to see Heather deserved better from Robert Englund well you get what you give um <laughs> and it was just it was just not good it was just not good Wes if you're still with us I feel like I would be able to tell you this because I don't I think you'd agree um it's just awful I think I feel like I feel like the, the the like you said it before. Um, at some point throughout the film, there is no immediate threat, and because Freddie's not in the film so much, why are we? Because we we don't see it as Freddie. We're told it's 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 not really Freddie. It's not Freddie. 
why should we be afraid of this man with Freddie's face on him at the end of the film? What is scary about it? We've we've seen him, we've seen him through six other films and more now. Um, and we're not afraid of him anymore. I, I don't think Wes gave or wrote a good enough finale to scare people. And for me, the, the whole thing, it's got supernatural elements, obviously. It's not a horror film to me. It's it's something else. It's it's not a horror film. It's got horrific things and it's got horror motifs, but it's not a horror film. It's it leans more towards a, a thriller to me and, and a mystery. And that's not a bad yeah. thing. Like I I love this film, but I don't feel like I don't feel like we get that horror horror finish. It's not good enough. It's just not good enough. Yeah, I know. I agree. That's 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 where it, it, as you said, it all comes become comes unstuck and it just lets itself down in ways that it just. I I don't consider myself a fanboy, but it even made me a bit. Fuck yeah, mm. yeah. It was just. I loved. Do you know what? Thinking about it now, thinking back on it now, I loved a lot more than I actually thought I did. It's just almost everything with Freddie and I didn't like. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then, you so, know, the, the breadcrumbs, which is you know, obviously a reference back to Hansel and Gretel again, um, but they're actually sleeping pills. I mean, if she took that many sleeping pills, she'd be dead, but we can forgive her for that. Um, obviously, it's really obvious. I just wanted to say that it's still better executed than Halloween's Little Red Riding Hood bullshit throughout the film. Um, absolutely fantastic. Just wanted to say that. Um, but then the rest of it is just not for me. That transformation from the bed into this hell dimension is just atrocious. Like the graphics were not not the best. I think at one point you see oh, like some God. sort of pterodactyl <laughs> flying around or something. Um and I, I just don't like the look of that of that soundstage. It just looks like someone built it in a university play. No, I wouldn't. Sorry. I wouldn't even call it a university play. A school play, mate. Mm. <clears throat> it's yeah. And then we get down there into this hell dimension where Freddie's been living, doing what? Like, what have you been doing, Freddie? Like, in his razors. Sat round there. I'm not being funny. There's not even a chair. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What have you been doing down there for all that time? Anyway, so yeah, we've touched on Freddie's makeup, but like it wasn't gruesome enough. Um, he does have that bulkier frame, which is supposed to be a little bit scary, but it's probably not. Um, and again, just going back to this final bloody showdown between Heather and Freddie, it's it's so silly and so camp, and it does not keep with the tone of the film at all. It's like two separate films. Yeah, do you know what I was thinking then, right? I was thinking because is that kind of dimension -y bit at the end just an afterthought or did he actually want to put that in? Because it just it seems such a departure away from what we've just seen. It just seems like it shouldn't be there. I felt like we shouldn't be having that showdown on freddie's patch we don't need it we, we've we've not seen where freddie has come from or this new freddie we've not seen where he's come from or where he's trying to escape and we don't need to because that's not what this film was about we've you've just spent an hour and a half building these relationships and saying this is the real world this is what's happening okay we'll bring freddie to the real world then let, let's let's do it let's do it how it should be done like all of that stuff should have took place in the real world. It shouldn't have took place in Freddy's little sex dungeon. <laughs> Go on. In my opinion. I mean, look at the original film. He probably didn't want to copy it, where <clears throat> she brings Freddy out of the dream and she, like, batters him and, like, blows bloody light bulbs up and stuff. Um he probably didn't want to repeat that sort of stuff because what do you do in that circumstance? But I don't know, he's created it, so write it. Like, that's your problem. 
get it sorted. Yeah. I feel like this was a little bit lazy. Like, oh, well, let's just say that Heather goes down into this. No, Wes. I'd, I mean, if I was Wes's friend and he said, oh, just read this for me, I'd have gone, it's boss up until that point you need to cut here. Yes, I can vouch for this as well because that's what he does to me all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> we I remember when he said to I remember, I remember once when you said to me, I don't like the title, John. I was like, oh, that's a fucking new one. <clears throat> but yeah, you are right. It's it seems like seems to me like it it's the studio said, yes, you are Wes Craven, yes, you can do whatever you want, but we've got to have Freddie in there somewhere. So he's done everything else is so well thought out, original, completely unique, completely brand new. And then he's gone, uh, oh, I've got to the end now. Um oh shit. And he's probably got an ending from Nightmare on Elm Street 32 or something and just gone, I'll stick that on. There's my film. <laughs> Give me my money. I'll lash that on. Oh, yeah, it's just, it's not that's the best, what it, it? That, That's what it feels like, though. Because you're dealing with, with he's, I, he probably didn't realise it at the time, but, and this is going to sound like a fucking bold statement, but I think this film changed so much. Like, so much. It brought, like, reality and fantasy together and people went shit we can have that and you compare it to last action hero which is interesting because i watched that the other day and i forgot how good it was mm. it is f- fantastic it's such a riot that film mm. it really is it g- genuinely is good and it's a brilliant comparison to this that this is the the horror version of of of, of that and both of them they're not perfect by any but they're so entertaining so unique so original yeah, the, the, one the, one done by the master of action and one made by the master of horror. And before anyone says John McTiernan is the master of action, because he made Die Hard, so back off. Okay. All right. So the inevitable discussion, and I know you're probably chomping at the bit for this. Talk to me about how this laid the groundwork for Scream. Um. So much so that I believe firmly when he was writing this, he had a second computer next to him. He was going, I've just had this idea for uh, this teen slasher that's kind of self-aware. So and he's doing this. And I, I seriously believe that. And he's gone, right, that's me. That, that's why he fucked up the ending so much because he was just no. thought he got really into this. That's what it is. No way. Kevin Williamson wrote the script for Scream. It wasn't Wes. Wes had something to do with it. Yeah, he directed it. <laughs> that was it. But yeah, he, prob- when he they, probably... When we say Kevin this Williams late, was watching this, that's what it was. But yeah, Kevin Williams has probably saw this film and thought, oh, that's quite clever. Um, how it references horror. Let's do that. Um, yeah, so I don't think it's like it needs to be read into massively, but the influence there is definitely there, like the telephone, the like sort of stalkerish behaviour, that is all is all there um, and definitely shows itself in Scream. So are we going to do the final girls? Because I feel well, like we need to. We, we, we kind of can't without Johnny. No, we're going to have to. Oh, okay. Uh, it's his fault. He's not here. Yeah, it's not ours. Johnny, if you're listening. So at the moment, our Slasher Gale, our final Gale, sorry, final Gale leaderboard looks like this. We have an honourable mention for Helen Lyle from Candyman. In seventh place, we have Alexia from High Tension or Switchblade Romance. In sixth place, Dewey Riley from Scream. Fifth place is Gail Weathers from Scream. Fourth is Boren Laurie Strode from Halloween. Third is Sydney Prescott from Scream. Second is Alice from Friday the 13th. And first place is Nancy Thompson, quite rightly so, from A Nightmare on Elm Street. So in this film, we have we have Heather Langenkamp. But we Ooh, also have, I, know, I know where you're going. But we also have her son, Dylan. So what, okay. what are we going to do about Dylan? Because he is... Or he's in it all the way through. He he is a focal point for Freddy's horror or terror. He's got to be in this final girl leaderboard, doesn't he? No, he does, yeah. But he only goes just above Dewey Riley because he doesn't actually do anything. Okay. However, 
This is actually quite interesting now. I like okay. this. Go on, go for it. Um, she can can oh I don't know. Um, she's she can't go above Nancy because she was a kid when she did this, but she can go above Laurie because come on. Um, who's second again? Sydney. Alice, Alice from Friday the Thirteenth. Oh. I see, like this game see, for me, for me, she's up there. She's near the top. For me, I think she's second. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you agree? <clears throat> it's it's yeah. I do. She's so, she's so good. She's just so good, and it's the way that she she, she you can see her as the as the younger Nancy Thompson in this oh it's just that good it's really it's good I just wish the film was better oh stop it she's it's, I think she's makes me sad phenomenal in this film like absolutely phenomenal and to say that she's not done any like real film work in 10 years at this point I just think ah oh, she just deserves an award in my eyes Never um, heard you come on about a girl so much like this. Uh, do you know what? I know. I know. I I just feel like, yeah, I just, oh, wow. I just feel like if this was set now, if this was now, I feel like Heather Langenkamp would have become not just a horror icon, but a, a gay icon. Absolutely, without a doubt. If this Why? happened now. I just, I just feel like she would because she's just boss. And gay, gay people, gay men love like strong, powerful, really direct women. So and do I. I'm not gay. Yeah, but don't you, think you do horrible things to pictures of them. We don't. We have like <laughs> respect for them. <laughs> so our new I, leaderboard looks like this. My silence spoke volumes. <laughs> then our new leaderboard looks like this. First place is Nancy Thompson from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Second place is Heather Langenkamp from Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Third place is Alice from Friday the 13th. Who the fuck is Alice? Fourth is Sydney Prescott from Scream. <laughs> Fifth is Laurie Strode from Halloween. Boo. Sixth is Gail Weathers from Scream, which I think is terrible. She should be above Laurie. Seventh is Dylan from Wes Craven's New Nightmare. There by default. Similarly to eighth place, Dewey Riley from Scream. Ninth place is Alexia from High Tension and Switchblade Romance. I can't even remember what Alexia's face looks like, so it says it all. And we have an honourable mention for Helen Lyle from Candyman. Um, that's it. That is our final girl leaderboard for our slasher season. Um, absolutely made up with those results, John. Yeah, well, I'm not, because it's just fact. Okay. It's just it's just how it should be. Well, Apart um, from Jimmy Jimmy Riley being on there, which is a fucking travesty. I'm happy with this. So I'm gonna put our final girl leaderboard up on our Instagram page the day after this podcast comes out. We just want to give you a chance to listen to it. So for all of those that have been listening to the final girl part, we will put it up the day after so it doesn't get spoiled for you. John, any final thoughts from yourself? No. Okay. <laughs> I just wish I just wish the film was better. Oh, it. it just breaks my heart. So our next season um will be our third season. Um and it's going to be called True Nightmares. So this is where we're gonna look at all of those horror films that are based on apparent true stories, um, however loose that might be. So in our first episodes next time we are going to be looking at the entity no we're not we're going to be looking at the amateurville horror and there is a lot of sort of conspiracy theories around the true story of this film so we are bringing on board one of our old university friends who hosts conspiracy comrades Jordan Frenner, and we're really, really looking forward Woo! to having him on board <laughs> on board for our next episode. So the next episode's actually going to be a really long one. So we will all be talking about the film, and then Jordan is going to shock and surprise us with what is he unco- what he has uncovered around the actual true story of the of the film. 
So and really you, looking forward to that. Also, just if you haven't had a go of con- conspiracy comrades, it's genuinely brilliant. It really it's, is. It's he's he's shocked the world with this. He really has because it's so good. So you can find Conspiracy Comrades on um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So if you listen to our podcast on Spotify, you could probably find it there as well. I think they've got an upcoming 10th episode where they've covered subjects such as JFK, obviously, uh, Bigfoot, the MK Ultra secret CIA program, heavy stuff, Princess Diana, massive, the Loch Ness Monster, uh, and the Michael Jackson allegations. Um, personally looking forward to the Michael Jackson's death conspiracy theories at some point. Um, I'm sure that'll that'll come along. Nudge, nudge, Jordan. Um, okay. <laughs> on it, so that's that's all from, from me and John. Um, so please join us next time for episode 20, which again will be the first episode of our true horror, two nightmare season. So thank you for joining us. Please do leave us some reviews. I've noticed that we've had some five stars, but I can't see any reviews, um, which is strange. So if you have left us a review, please let us know where we can find it. <laughs> because we don't seem to get notifications on what they are or or how that's going. So we'd love to read them um, or copy and paste onto our Instagram. That would be perfect. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers, is. <laughs> Thank you. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.